Hi, everybody. It is Saturday night, February 27th. Uh, this is the Hot Air Weather Podcast. I'm Greg Perkins. I'm here with Dave Kleckner and Bruce Becker. Hi, hey, Dave. Greg. Hi, Bruce. Mr. Greg. So tonight we're doing something a little different. Uh, we are going to go completely unedited, uncut, uh, explicit content warning because there might be swearing, at least on my part. Uh, just basically because I've had a long week and I don't feel like editing the heck out of the podcast. So um, I like going unedited. You know, yeah. maybe we can just put a 1050 PL tone in there every so often if we have to. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think we'll bleep anything. Oh. It's, no, it's, we should all, be good. I think all five of our listeners are well, adults. You know, you you said yeah. Is that what we have as five? <laughs> when you said Saturday night, the first I don't know. thing I'm just I'm just guessing. The first thing I thought about was the Bay City Rollers. Talk about you know dating myself there. Uh, you remember that Bruce, don't you? Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Probably it's you know a little bit like uh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm not sure if I was even sperm at that point. I you know. Probably uh, not. BGs. Probably not. Well, you're what right. uh, 135 years old though? Probably feel it like there, it. There there have been those days. Oh, me? Yeah. Yeah, me no, this is Bedford. This is no, that was Greg. Oh, me? I'm actually 327 years old. There we yesterday. go. All right, yeah. cool. Yeah, nursing school has been rough lately but here we are we're doing a podcast so um we wanted to talk about what everybody in the media was talking about last week which of course was the massive cold air outbreak that hit the continental u.s and caused all kinds of chaos in texas um so i'm going to start out with a with a little intro about kind of what happened and why it happened and then we're going to go to bruce and dave for the weather commentary so I'm not going to do a, a big timeline thing, but basically we had a giant cold air outbreak over the continental U.S. caused all kinds of winter storm problems across the, the southern plains, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, that area uh, was hit probably the worst in terms of impact. And as everyone's already seen all over the news, uh, there was basically a statewide power outage in Texas. Uh, and this is kind of unique because Texas didn't necessarily get any weather that was, you know, massively worse than anybody else. But they do have an electric uh, an electric grid that does not work the same way as the rest of the country. So um, top level overview, there are basically three main electric grids in the continental U.S., there is an eastern grid and there is a western grid. And those two have lots of interconnections between them. And then the third grid is Texas, uh, because basically Texas being Texas decided they didn't want any federal regulation. Um, so they made their own electric grid a little over 20 years ago. Um, and uh, they, they did this as sort of a, a market experiment to see if they could completely deregulate the electricity industry and um, get, uh, get more benefits for customers and, and have more competition and bring prices down. Uh, which everybody thought was a great idea at the time. Um, but it turns out that with a little bit too little regulation, uh, nobody does a whole lot of risk management. Nobody invests in uh, these, you know, once in a century, once every three decade events and prevention for that. 
um, because there's no regulators telling them they have to. So basically what happened is the electricity grid in Texas is not weatherized for winter weather. And there was a massive spike in demand because it's Texas. Nobody's heating their home all winter long. So most of the heat's electric instead of natural gas or stuff like that. So you basically had a grid that was not winterized plus a huge spike in demand, which of course led to um, some collapse. Now, as soon as the spike in demand started, of course, you had uh, a bunch of natural gas plants go offline because they're not winterized. So their, their gas supply got frozen. They couldn't continue operations. Um, and you had one nuclear plant trip and go offline because it wasn't winterized either. So that's basically where all of the trouble started. Now, uh, as we saw, there are some follow-on effects from losing electricity in that kind of environment for multiple days. Um, besides the human impacts, all of a sudden, you couldn't keep the water systems going because they didn't have enough power to keep the pressure up. Plus, everybody's pipes were frozen and breaking, so the pressure dropped in the water systems. So in addition to the power being out, people either didn't have water at all or uh, they were under boil water advisories with no fuel source or electricity to boil the water. So uh, big exercise in a statewide disaster uh, you know, with the whole entire electric grid going down and, and the follow-on effects. Now, we're not a policy podcast. We're not a politics podcast. So we're not going to get into that side of things. Uh, but we are a weather podcast. So uh, the origin of this big weather event was actually, I think, maybe a little more than a month before it happened. Is that right, Bruce? Yeah, we had talked about uh, stratospheric warming uh, I think we did talked about it in the last podcast we did. I don't have the date of that last podcast, but uh, over a month ago, a little over, over a month, a month ago. ago. Oh, I, I did yeah. want to interject one thing about Texas, and it'll give you another idea. Uh, per capita, they have the most wind power of any state in the United States at twenty three percent. But the problem was, is that all froze up too? Well, so, it, yeah, but that's that's the, it's wind power in that state supplies less than ten percent of the electricity overall. But if it provides, so natural it was, gas I was the it big was 20, problem. I heard it was twenty three percent. It's under ten. It's twenty three percent per 20, capita. But in terms of total electricity, it's under ten okay. percent. Well, okay. it, it's but even it's so, not it, just a question, though, Greg, of how much it's what it's used for. And a lot of that wind power and a lot of the solar power was uh, in, was in the operations arena, the the electric, uh, the uh, generation and delivery. So, uh, you know, you lose your uh, you lose your wind power if that's what's uh, keeping those uh, natural gas facilities going or the solar. You know, if it's in the critical places, and that's that is certainly a risk. So, but yeah, yeah, but that that wasn't what they were using their wind power for. Okay, we love dinner. Let's go back to the stratospheric warming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, it started uh, pretty late in December and began to really ramp up in uh, January. And what stratospheric warming is is when the temperature in the stratosphere begins to warm, it's because heat is escaping through the tropopause. And the tropopause is that boundary between the weather that occurs on Earth and stratospheric, where basically it's nothing happens up there. 
weather-wise. Uh, in the poles during the wintertime, the, the tropopause is much lower. It's usually in the 20,000 to 22,000 uh, foot area, rather than in the tropics where it's 35, 38,000. But the heat escapes into the stratosphere and it starts to develop high pressure and a polar vortex, you know, that's been around for millions of years. And it also rotates around with the teleconnections that rotate around the Earth. Uh, it, we won't get too far into the teleconnections, but uh, it is a process. And that process began in western portions of Siberia and then moved over to the north uh, eastern portions, the Bering Sea and Alaska for a while. And then it kind of drifted back a little bit. And finally, it started to make its move down through Canada and into the uh, United States. And uh, when that happened, we only had about 16% of the country in snow cover. And by the time we got to the middle and toward the end of the polar vortex and stratospheric warming that affected our weather, we had a 74% snow cover. Now, that had a tremendous amount to do with what happened in Texas, because you have to have snow cover to get bitterly cold Arctic air. And the first wave of that came through in the Midwest and down in through the East Coast, uh, not quite all the way to the coastline, but into the Appalachians. The second wave came down more into the Dakotas and then spread eastward from there. And then it was the third wave and a deep trough that dove into Texas. Well, that's when you had most of the snow cover in the United States that added to that situation. And it was likely, I mean, they had a, a severe part of the winter occur, I think it was 2014. And there was another one, I think, in 09. But this was likely to be the worst one since 1899. But there have been two others that were worse. And the worst one was in 1883. And that one, Louisiana, was hit very hard. Uh, Lake Charles had 22 inches of snow. And New Orleans had 8.3. So, uh, yeah, this past one was uh, not unprecedented. It was minus one in Dallas. It did reach uh, 18 degrees uh, above zero in Houston. I think the shocking one was Fayetteville, Arkansas, with a minus 20, breaking the record for that date of seven above. And that really, it's, it was a cascading effect that, that came through the Midwest, East Coast, and then down into the Deep South. And once we got the Deep South started to move out, we were able to, the stratospheric warming had moved to another portion of the globe, back to Siberia, as a matter of fact. And... When the third wave came through is when the snow really ramped up in the lakes regions. And that is what delivered uh, the between 30 and 47 inches of snow in three weeks in the Chicago area. It was a classic setup for lake effect. Uh, I don't think I've seen one that good around here. I don't even, I, you know, at my age, I don't even remember it ever happening like that. It just, it was classic. And it, it certainly lived up to uh, exactly what they said it was going to be. My hat's off to the weather service. They said it was coming three days beforehand, that there was going to be a big setup. But that's exactly what happens. And, you know, you can see it for those that keep following this. I know Dave does, and I know you do, Greg. Um, following those teleconnections and oscillators, you could see the battle going on between the Arctic Oscillation, the North Atlantic Oscillation, the East Pacific, and particularly the, the Pan American Oscillation, which kept trying to feed into a warm cycle against a deep cold cycle. And even in La Nina, 
where the MJO is at six and seven as a war pattern, it just, you know, when you have all these things colliding together, this is what you're going to get. And uh, personally, <laughs> I, I, I got to say this. I mean, it's warming up nice now. We're losing a lot of snow. I don't think it's over yet. No, I agree with you. I okay, let's stick so. a pin in. Let's stick a pin in that and come back to it. Yeah. So basically, summary: stratosphere warmed. That pissed off the polar vortex, and when the polar vortex gets pissed off, it throws giant chunks of cold air at the U.S. Right? Yes. Exactly. Yeah, that's, or, that's or, or somewhere it, it, it brings what, it what down else? into the mid latitude. Yeah, it's, somewhere. Right. Yep. It's a simple process. It just it happens, and here it is, and it's going to happen again, and yep, forever. Exactly. Exactly. And, and what else do we have to add about Texas? Well, and, and I think Bruce uh, hit the nail on the head. It was you know the snow cover um, that was probably the thing and what allowed it to drive as far south as it did. If you look at a normal snow cover map, by the time it was getting into Texas, that air mass would have been modifying a little bit. You know, it still would have been a heck of an outbreak, but um, but uh, definitely the snow. Yeah, Dave, I did hear some estimates that if we had had 50% snow cover in the U.S., the temperatures likely would have been anywhere from 5 to 11 degrees warmer. Oh, yeah. Or um, let's go to the flip side. Had this came down in, say, the 10th of January, the 15th of January, when we're at the uh, solar radiation minimum, Imagine how much worse that would have been as well. When you look at, uh, yeah, you, you look at cold outbreaks, and and we we get them in February. No two ways about it. But the fact that we were two uh, two months past uh, the uh, two months past the winter solstice, and really coming a month past the uh, solar radiation minima, that certainly helped. You know, the sun angle. Uh, I, I think everybody has been feeling it for the last couple of weeks even when it was cold you had a couple of days out there with a little bit of sun and it definitely felt a little bit uh not quite as bad as maybe what we'd have thought it would be so uh so a lot of things and, and this is very typical for any disaster it's not just one thing it's a whole combination of things um yeah if this would have been in mid-january it would have been a uh, way lot worse and then again, think of it this way. If it had been in mid-January, we wouldn't have had the big snow cover. So there's kind of a give and take on that. And also, we got to keep in mind, while it's unusual for that much snow that deep in the south, Amarillo, Texas gets snow. Oh, yes, absolutely. And they, get, and they could get a lot of Oh, it. yeah, the Panhandle so region does. it's not unprecedented does. in those areas. The Panhandle region does, no doubt about it. But for uh, where this went down into uh, central and eastern Texas... Um, again, extremely, it was well forecast, but you know, you can only do so much, um, even, even as well forecast as it was because, um, you know, you get the, uh, you get the utility, uh, speculators that'll be, uh, buying up as much spot market, uh, natural gas or buying up, uh, uh, energy on, you know, electricity on the spot market, driving the prices up as well. And, yeah, I I wouldn't at all be surprised if some, uh, you know, especially smaller utilities may have said, well, we're going to try and ride this out as best we can. And that didn't work either. Um, you know, a whole lot of things happened. Uh, I, I suspect, and one of the things that we may find afterwards, uh, if there can be a silver lining in this, 
if Texas would have been interconnected into the rest of the national grid, could we have had a bigger electrical uh, disaster? If, uh, you know, would, would there have been enough power to uh, come from elsewhere in either the U.S. or Canada? You, you know, when we get these extreme uh, uh, heat events in the summer around here, uh, the electric utilities are often buying uh, buying electricity uh, from Canada or at least some other part of the U.S. where it's cooler. So um, it, it's it's a lot more complex than oh, it just impacted Texas. There may not have been even if even if Texas was on the grid, there may not have been enough power to go around everywhere else in the country for them to buy because everybody's trying to buy it because of the depth and the extent of this particular cold outbreak. See, what happens in those situations, um, it's a commodity like anything else, like gasoline, crude exactly. oil, etc. And what happens is, for the same reason, if you have a refinery goes down for maintenance or a fire, it's going to cost more at the gas pump for the reasons of everybody has contracts to fill. And for you to be able to go and get gasoline from, say, the Minneapolis depot, you're going to have to pay up the nose because they're going to have to break some contracts to get the, to the oil to you. And that means they're going to have to pay more somewhere to get those contracts filled. It works exactly the same way with electricity. For example, most of the time, the average price of those areas is about $40 per megawatt. They had to pay up to $8,700 to get enough power into that area, which means somebody else had to pay to get and somebody, and now you're talking a natural gas increase. Now you're talking a, a, a oil price increase, which we've all seen because of Texas. It's now relaxing a little bit because we're starting to get everything back online. But it has a ripple effect through commodities as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And, and the grid, the grid right. stability. I, you know, I still think. You know, think back. It was, I think, it was about eight or ten years ago. There was an issue out in the northeastern portion of the U.S. Uh, where there was a failure of the electric grid, and I can't remember if it was somebody, uh, if it was weather related, or somebody goofed and did something wrong. But it started to cascade all the way, starting to head west into like Michigan and Ohio, and it was only the fact that somebody was able to uh, break the interconnect that that otherwise you could have very easily had uh, you know half the country or more lose power out if if that grid went down so it's the electric yeah dave that was 2003 okay you know which one i'm talking 50 million about people were lost power yeah 50 million people lost it was it, it says here an aging uh, electric grid a series of technology flaws and a few overgrown trees led to a cascading series of outages stretching from New York to Ohio and up into Ontario, Canada. Yeah, it, it was the trees. But anyway, bringing it back from Econ 101, um, I'm not sure if we have much other weather stuff to, to cover here. As far as other than what happened here. Yeah, yeah. With text, I mean, that that basically is is what happened. Um now, Bruce, you brought it up earlier that, you know, this was not just in Texas. Uh, there was, you know, winter storms all over the country. And at least here in the Chicago area, we we got a ton of snow in a pretty short period of time. Yeah, it was uh, it, depending on where you were. Um, it was anywhere from, uh, I would say, say, McHenry County, Kane County, that area in the low and mid 20s. 
uh, all the way up to uh, around 45 to 50 inches along the lakeshore, you know, Evanston, Wilmette areas. Uh, I had was, as a matter of fact, was driving into Winnetka and Wilmette at 930 that morning of the lake when the lake snow got started. And I'll tell you right now, visibility was about 200 feet. And 10 miles an hour was just about as fast as you could go. And, and yet... It added up. And it's three or four inch an hour rate. And yet the western part of uh, even Lake County, we had uh, just some minor accumulations and for the most part, just some lighter showers. We didn't get those visibility reductions. So, you know, you really almost, you, you have uh, very typically when you get that perfect setup and we did have a perfect setup you know the areas east of the tollway are going to be the ones that really get hammered and then you get kind of a middle uh you know getting out to the western portions of uh, lake and cook counties and that is a second tier and then getting out further uh way into the far outlying areas um and the yeah, the thing yeah. to keep in it was a it was a it was a gr- the thing to keep in it mind. Yeah, setup. it was. I mean, you had and and it's very hard on this side of the lake to get a great setup. You know, we always typically hear it at the bottom of the lake. You know, northwest Indiana, western Michigan, but to get something that perfect on this side of the lake takes a really ideal setup. Uh, getting uh, getting a high pressure ridge in the right place and not coming across too fast and. And yeah, we definitely had it, and I think everybody saw it. Uh, like you said, a couple of days in advance, we were looking at a fairly significant lake snow event, and even though well forecast, I think a lot of us are like, "Whoa, we got our money's worth," uh, even more than we were expecting. And when you're talking oh, eight to twelve yeah. inches, and it's like, "Well, we got eighteen out of it," it's like, we don't deal with those numbers that often around here. No, no, we really don't. Uh, what was interesting about what was so unique about this is we only had equilibrium values over the lakeshore of 9,000 feet, which under most conditions isn't really enough to produce what we have, even with decent convergence. What we had is we were at the rear right exit point of one northern jet stream and the left entrance of another one. And those two met right exactly over northeast Illinois. And that was the unique part about the entire setup. Even the even though yeah, shallow yeah, we had those jets will ruin your day every time. Yeah, I mean right, it's that's the kind of things that you get in the in the, in the spring and summer for tornado outbreaks. Yeah, that's a lot of lift. Yeah, I that was Tuesday morning, wasn't it? Because I was supposed to be uh, doing a clinical day at, at the ICU in Milwaukee, and uh, and we just canceled. Oh, they had her all the way up, all the way up north of Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had 15 inches of snow in Kenosha. Yeah, yeah, we just we just looked the night before and said we're not we're not going to even try and get up there at 4:30 in the morning. And at, at gag at the Libertyville Skyward Center, four and a half inches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and you go a little little bit east of there, like the the I ninety four corridor got like ten, eleven, twelve inches between here and Milwaukee, and just west of the the interstate, it was down to not much. The next day, when I drove back into Wilmette again, uh, as you get from Tower Road, you, you're you're coming in on Tower Road, and you get to uh, I would say Forest Way Drive, you start to see more snow on the ground, and by the time you get another mile and a half. There is a noticeable difference in the amount of snow on the side of the road. And then you go down Sheridan Road into Winnetka, and there's an equally as big 
difference in the amount of snow. It was it was shocking to see that much change over a three mile period. Yeah, and then you look at yeah, and, you and look I mean, at the way the city of Chicago got it too, which has you, you know, Then you've got all the infrastructure issues that you don't have in the suburbs, and and by that I mean you know a lot you know the housing stock is. Um, you know, you don't have a lot of garages. Uh, you you have a lot of people parking out on the street, which you don't have here, uh, in 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 some of the suburbs, and that. So, complicating the whole. Uh, even though it was a fairly dry snow, you know, just the you know trying to move that amount of snow that is is a very difficult thing as it is uh, when you don't have all those added obstructions, and you know you can still hear people. Uh, 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 having issues with the snow removal in, in Chicago, but some of that, uh, and I think even in some of the old line suburbs uh, right along the North Shore, you have uh, the streets are a little narrower, and all those all those complicating factors to go along with it. Another unique thing that I just thought of now, and I don't believe Dave, you and I have been around a lot longer than Greg, so Greg, this doesn't even apply to Greg. I don't ever remember this kind of snow with these temperatures. Single digits, five, six, seven above zero. Normally you get an 18 inch snow like the blizzard of 2011. It's 28, 30, 31. This was middle single digit temperatures with this much snow. I don't ever remember that happening. Well, but again, that's, you know, when we're dealing with uh, so much of that contribution, as you could see, just looking at the snow totals, was due to the lake effects. So when you had those low temperatures uh, that far down to the surface, you know, think of the lapse rate that you had, you know, with, you know, even the lake temperature being, uh, what about maybe probably 34, 35 degrees, maybe. Yeah, you had a delta of like maybe a 20. Yeah. You know, you know, that's delta. just massive. Uh, you know, when you know when you can break uh, break through that um, that parcel, that air parcel is just going to lift like crazy. So, uh, but it just was it was just so unique because I just never never remember seeing six seven degrees with with ten below wind chills and that kind of snow event. Proof once again, folks. It doesn't have to be closer to freezing to get snow. It gets snow at any temperature. Absolutely, that's but right. It was easier to move. It was now, easier it to move, though, at least with uh, with that snow water ratio. Oh, yeah, I'm, at least at least it was fluffy. Yeah, you could go out with a snow blower with a uh, leaf blower. I was almost yeah, six inches off your driveway. I, I was almost <laughs> yeah. tempted. Yep. I suggested that to my daughter when she had to leave for work the one day. I said, you probably might just want to go and take uh, take a leaf blower and go, <laughs> you know, wake up the neighbors and just go. It was a pleasure to get it off your car. Uh, yeah, well, definitely. yeah, off the car. So it yes. wasn't. It wasn't just that. But out of the it driveway, wasn't just that one snow. You know, the big problem, at least that we had here, and and, and I can say this kind of tongue in cheek because I know all the public works guys, and uh, and you know, I do a lot to give them uh, a heads up on stuff and uh, consult and give them a little bit of information. But I always kid that I know when they finally had enough plowing for one event because then you see the trucks backing up into my driveway to dump snow in. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so it it wasn't just this. Yeah, that's that's cute. 
All right. So it wasn't it wasn't just this one lake snow event, uh, though. It seems like we didn't have a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of snow like December, January. And then like the last three weeks, we got like almost a season's worth. Is that right, yep. Bruce? Oh, yeah. yeah, it is. We had uh, we had about eight, eight inches of snow up until the 25th of January. And then, it, like I said, Libertyville, we tacked on 23, I think it was. Uh, and we're above average now. We're th- sitting around 34 inches. Uh, Midway has got 56, and O'Hare's at 46. So it turned. We had three weeks of winter, and it turned into all the snow for the season. And I had some questions about how this compared, this cold outbreak that we had compared to others that we've had in the past. So I decided to go to work and check the last 60 years out. Now, what I consider a major Arctic outbreak is a 15-day average of temperatures that are at least 15 or more degrees below average. So it's again, it's a 15-day period, at least 15 degrees below average. So I came up with, including the one we just had, I came up with 17 occurrences. So a lot more than you think that there are. It's about uh, every three and a half years you get one of these. But in February, this was only the fifth time in 60 years it happened. So now you're looking at every 12 years. So what we wound up is we wound up in 10th place, uh, the period February 7th through 21, where the average temperature was minus 17.5 degrees below average. I, that's, I should just say 17.5 below average. Uh, that's very close to two others that uh, occurred in 2000, which was just before Christmas. And strangely enough, 2007 was very similar to this. And that also occurred even later in February from the 12th to the 26th. The worst one was December 16 to 30 of 83, where it was 24 and a half degrees below average. You had to bring now, that I had up. Thought, I, I, I had thought about this, and I'm going to ask you guys about this. And I changed my mind after I thought about it. Of taking these and kind of putting them in perspective of what time of year they occur. Is 17 degrees below average in February the same as 17 degrees below average in late December or early January. And I would say yes, because we are expecting and are known for weather in early January that could be pretty darn cold at 17 degrees below average. And weather in February is supposed to be a little warmer, so 17 degrees below average feels just as bad as it would in mid-January because you're used to it being cold anyway. Throw the solar radiation numbers in there. I would be willing to bet that, uh, you know, because, you know, we talked, we led to that earlier. You know, the sun angle is different now compared to at, at at the winter solstice. And, of course, the solar radiation values are, you know, reach their minima in, you know, about, you know, climatologically, the coldest point of the year is right around that third week of January. So, yeah, we're already on the rebound and, uh, and I'm sure that has something to do with it. Even, the, even though the numbers were rather brutal, I think uh, I think I had at least two minus fifteens out here in the western part of the county. Well, keep in mind the average temperature during that period that we just had is about thirty four. The worst one at eighty three. The temperatures of that period were also around thirty four because you're still three weeks away from the dead center of winter, which is mid January. So they're kind of the same, even though your sun angle is at its lowest point. Of course, you get the seasonal lag. 
But that's why I think that maybe you kind of just have to leave it alone and try not to fool with it too much. Yeah, I, I'm of the opinion that it doesn't matter, you know, three weeks one way or the other. It still sucks. Yeah, well, it's cold. Yeah. It's cold. Well, the rule. Yeah, the yeah. rules were that all of all of the dates had to occur in meteorological winter. Okay. Because by the time we get to, you know, tomorrow, our average high is 39. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, yeah, it still sucked. Mm-mm. So, I mean, we fell kind of right in the middle between those 17 uh, occurrences. And I'm sure, uh, interestingly enough, the winter of 2013 and 14 was the third coldest on record in Chicago. There was not an occurrence anywhere on this list during that time, nor was there after the 67 snowstorm, nor was there after the Groundhog Day blizzard. Mm-hmm. So there's no relation to any of the big snows. It just happened to be this one. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so you said we were a little bit above average for snow this winter. How does, do you remember what our, our forecasts, our guesstimates were earlier? Earlier. Yeah. Uh, uh, we pretty much agreed that we were going to end up with a, uh, you were, I think you were pretty close to average temperature, Greg. I think yeah. Dave and I were a little above average. And right now for the winter season, we're 0.8 above average. So that's about right. Yeah, and snowfall we we all said above, didn't we? Yeah, I was thirty five to forty five, and we're kind of at the low end right now. And I still think we're going to be closer to the high end by the time we're done. Yeah, so let's talk about that. What it looks like we're going to get a break at least for a little while here before before the end of winter. You know, a little warmer temperatures, not as much snow. Um, but you know, the question everyone's asking, I suppose, is is this it? Uh, my best guess is no, it's not it. And uh, a couple of reasons for that is, like I said, the battle between the MJO and what was going on, giving us the cold weather and with the oscillators, uh, we're starting, the MJO, I think right now is crossing between eight and one. Once we get into that one, two and three area, uh, that's a cold pattern in this part of the world. And the worst part about that whole thing is that the oscillators are still trying to fight the warmth versus the cold, and that's going to set up another battleground. And I have the feeling as we get toward the middle or end of March, we're going to be back in the snowmageddon thing. Maybe I shouldn't say snowmageddon, but a snowier pattern. We're going to warm up. We deserve it. We may even see a high 50s or even a 60 in the middle of the second week of, of March. But I think uh, I think there's more snow to come, oh, Dave. You, you know, and, and I always say it tongue in cheek, but it's a, you know you haven't had winter over around here until you've had the Cubs or the White Sox snowed out at least one game. Right, right, and all and also, why should I think that? This year is going to be any different than the last two years where March and April went down the sewer. Oh, yeah. I, that's definitely what I'm kind of expecting right now. Uh, yeah, uh, no doubt a battleground. You know, you look at the uh, you look at the uh, hemispheric longwave patterns and, you know, you've still got this really deep low over Hudson Bay, which, uh, you know, uh, where that's going to want to drop the cold air, I'm tending to think west of us and east of us are going to be where where those I, waves yeah. set up. But you know, we're left. Yep, early in the month. We're right. not left. You know, that's that's more of. I don't want to say you know true Rex block where you've got the low above high below, but you know we do. I, I think battleground is the way is is as you're describing it, where we're going to have. Uh, 
you know, the subtropical jet is is going to stay along the Gulf Coast. The southern states, I think it's going to be very active there. And, you know, we could be uh, still looking. You could even see another snowstorm in the northeast. Oh, I wouldn't be at all surprised. I'm, I'm, I'm more wondering though if we're going to get at least uh, some stretch here a very active, uh, severe weather pattern over the south, uh, over the southeast along the Gulf Coast. Yeah, I, that's. I think that goes into our spring pattern too. I think with just the way the MJO and the battlegrounds are setting up, uh, I'm still of the opinion that we're probably going to have a warmer than average spring. And a warmer than average summer, and I think the way it's setting up, this is probably going to be a nasty severe weather season, probably even for us. Yeah, it could if we can tap into enough. If we can tap into enough moisture, and I think the pattern too is, um, is you know we we try to bring some reinforcing cold air down, and, and this last one was a little bit extreme in that we had it for over two weeks. But I think what you're seeing is. You're going to get these shots of cold air trying to come down, but then, you know, it's going to moderate fairly quickly, uh, though the main storm track stays just to the south of us, which is what's going to allow that to happen. And yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's going to be, uh, like the Tennessee Valley, maybe the, uh, parts of the Southern Ohio Valley. Oh yeah. I, I, I can get a real bad feeling there about, uh, severe weather for, uh, maybe March and April. Right. Well, I agree because uh, usually when you in a La Nina pattern with that kind of MJO, your snow producers are those nasty little, you know, Saskatchewan screamers, Manitoba, Manitoba maulers, and Alberta clippers that come swinging down through southern Illinois and then they curve up through the Ohio Valley, leaving us with six inches of snow and a tornado outbreak in Tennessee. I can I can see yeah, that I happening. Managed yeah. to, uh... I managed to get about 10 minutes to look at weather Twitter today, and that's that's pretty much the general consensus among most people that I saw today, yeah. Yeah, this is a typical La Nina pattern of ups and downs and clippers and stuff and mass hysteria. Dogs and cats living together. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. It's just going to be – uh, we're pretty much guaranteed to have at least one complete shit show this, this severe ah, weather there season. There it is, the first word of the day. The first – is that the first bleep, That's really? the first we're, bleep of the day. We're almost 40 minutes in and I haven't sworn yet? At least Holy you could have said poop. <laughs> nah. Nah, I promised them swearing at the beginning. There, you got some swearing. There we go. Perfect. Well, yeah, and and – Greg, what is and, and and that that leads me into my here's our standard public service announcement for the day. Um, you know, we had that uh, you had that Carolina tornado outbreak. You had what I think three people were killed um, the other yeah. week. And, and one of the things that you see um, in in the Tennessee Valley, the Southern Ohio Valley, getting over the Carolinas, their climatology, uh, their tornado climatology, tends to lead more for after dark and and the other thing is the early season tornado events the things that you get in february and march tend to be very much on the uh on the uh on the severe side uh, you know more so than if there is such a thing as a garden variety tornado you, you know, these things these things can be uh, extremely deadly extremely risky and so uh as i say every year um you know, make sure you've got a working weather radio in the house. 
Uh, if you've got multiple levels on the house, I've even said you have one for upstairs and one for downstairs, so you know you're going to hear it, as well as, and the weather service says this too, multiple ways to get the warning. Uh, your cell phone is great. Um, weather radio is great. Uh, your TV doesn't come on by itself at 2 in the morning, so you need to have a way of getting that information, and you need to have more than one way because you know, there's these things, these, the warnings pass through multiple channels and all it takes is one, one break point, not necessarily to have it fail, but to even, even to delay it by a minute could be a major, major difference uh, for your safety. And folks, you're not supposed to hear the outdoor sirens when you're inside. Not anymore. I just want to make that clear. It was one thing back in the '60s and '70s when, when your house was when uh, weatherproofing was uh, was a new concept, uh, thanks to our friends in the Middle East. But you know, the homes nowadays are so soundproof because they're so weatherproofed. Yeah, you don't uh, you don't hear that uh, uh, as easily, and you can't count on it. And even then. You do hear a siren if you're outside. All that means is you better get indoors and you better tune on a radio and find out what's exactly going on as well. So, Yeah, exactly. Plus, we, we just don't have as many sirens anymore now that we're not expecting the Russians to drop a uh, you know, couple hundred and nukes on us. And that is a debate I've seen going on in several communities <laughs> where it's time to replace them. And should we or should we not? And... Yeah, you can't uh, you can't count on the fact. Yeah, that's interesting. I I know of several communities. Because now you've got you've got you know stuff popping up on your phone. You got stuff popping up on your Apple Watch. It's almost to the point, and I hate to say that because I'm just an old time guy that wants to hear that siren go off when it's when there's trouble. But uh, there's just something different about hearing the test siren versus when there's severe weather. Hearing the siren for real, it's just a different aura. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Plus, you know, Dave, Dave, you touched on it earlier. I think, you know, just because all of these warning systems are so complicated, um, you know, removing one that doesn't require a whole lot of money to maintain is probably just not the best move right well, now. Well, it's it, yeah, there may be not that much to maintain, but when you've got to replace them and, and you know, a lot of this stuff that was uh, World War Two surplus it's old. It's you, know, you can't fix that stuff anymore. So now you're looking at uh, you're looking at brand new systems, and it's not just the hardware; it's the interconnects, and not just the interconnects. In this day and age, it's the security. And yes, we can. Uh, yeah, you, know, you can look out there on the internet and uh, uh, and find enough examples of where somebody hacked into a town's. Uh, uh, outdoor warning sirens just for a kick and set them off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, calling that a hack is probably a bit yeah. generous. Well, yeah, yeah. Usually, probably. usually it's usually it's somebody gets a surplus radio and plays the right tones. Well, yeah, you're yeah. right. And, <laughs> but, exactly. Yeah, you know, which you know, it didn't happen. You know, it didn't happen when Abe Lincoln was uh, first on the internet. No. No, 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 definitely, definitely not. And you know, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, those t- some of those sirens are probably God, who knows how old they are. But hey, listen, yeah, we have a fifties. We have a thirty-three-year-old radar system that gets getting upgrades. You know, sooner or later, that's going to fall off a cliff too. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, infrastructure investment is a different podcast. Um, uh, what Damn else it, do we want to talk about? Be. <laughs> well, it's yeah, we're we're getting towards forty five minutes here. Like we can make that a separate episode. We don't care. I don't know. Forty five minutes means nothing. I don't care really either. I it's you know. I feel almost like Gru. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. what's your guys' thoughts on summer? You had any just quickie thingies? I think it's going to be hot and sort of dry i'm still not totally convinced we're not going to have a drought but yeah i haven't i haven't had time to even take a look no i haven't either and you know that brings up an interesting uh sideline you know we do get into a very dry summer and even uh well now we've uh we've changed the dynamic a little bit with uh being at or above um above on snowfall for this season What's that done to the Lake Michigan However, water levels? And, actually, and they're what down. would a dry summer do to, you know, we've been, you know, we, we've had all the doom and gloom of, uh, you know, Lake Michigan is, you know, you know if, if you're out in, uh, you're out in Marengo, you're going to have lakefront property in three years. And it'll be in. Well, I, I, like I said, I think the lake levels are down about three inches now. And uh, I do know that, uh, I'm looking right here now, that uh, we have had only 87% of our precipitation for the winter season. And primarily, that's due to the snowfall we had coming in at 25 to 1 instead of 10 to 1. Yeah, that, and that, that's it. And, uh, that, you know, that is a good point. Even though we're saying above normal on precip, it's like, well, yeah, we put a little extra yeast in the uh, batter. And you wonder why the bread is now, <laughs> is, yeah. you know, the same thing with the snow. Right. I, I, like I said, I keep track of the, uh, the short-term, medium-term, and long-term uh, counts for kind of getting a head start on uh, looking for whether there's going to be a drought. All three of their nominal stage right now, but it, the, the one thing in particular is the long-term 180 degree. Now, we they, uh, average, we use a scale from plus five to minus five for total saturation and zero percent moisture in the water in the ground, which is not possible, obviously. But normally this time of year over the last decade, your 180-day number is generally right around 4.0. We are at 2.35, and this is the time of year now where we're going to start to get more evaporation. Uh, a month ago, we were only losing one or two hundredths a day. Now, in sunny days, we're up to four and five hundredths per day. And by the end of April, we're up to a dime's worth. So... This is not a good place to start from long term. But, you know, one other interesting thing, though, I was, you know, looking at uh, some of the uh, uh, flood outlooks and that. And one of the things that they noted is that uh, the frost depth right now really uh, around at least uh, northern Illinois, southern Wisconsin river basins, the frost depth as of, uh, you know, as of late February was only in about the four to 10 inch range. So, the heavy snowpack really kept that frost uh, from penetrating too far into the ground, which means we could, uh, it'll be a race between the evaporation and percolation in terms of what that does to uh, recharge the water table. 
Yeah, as far as over your grassy areas, uh, it's pretty amazing. Our soil temperatures uh, at three inches never went below 35 degrees uh, with, with, with showing the insulation of the snowpack. And we had never had any ice. I mean, we had a little bit of little bit of uh, frost level, one or two inches before we got the heavy snow cover in January. But after that, we warmed up enough and there's virtually, you know, in most everybody's backyard, there's no frost level right now. Exactly. You know, even so, though we did have so, the... So the water... Even though we did have some of the cold air, sorry, go ahead, Dave. we didn't have, um, you, you know, the December, January, the lack of snow cover, but we didn't have the cold temperatures to go along with it either. So yeah, the frost never really got going uh, that heavily, that deep. Of- Which is actually good. For yeah. The- it's because it's where we're, we see some, you know, it's not all runoff. There is some soaking into exactly. the ground. And, uh, and, and with the high snow water ratios um, and dew points really kind of hanging just below 32, except for a little bit today, you're seeing the kind of snow melt that can be handled. It's those overnight 40 degree temperatures and 40 dew points where you melt eight inches of snow overnight. That's where your problem comes in. So I, I kind of lead toward that. It's not going to be the spring melting season into the rivers is probably not going to be any worse than any of the other ones we've had. Yeah, I would tend to agree. You know, if we don't get any real big gully washer uh, rain events, uh, I think, we, yeah, it'll it, it'll go like it does every year. And, uh, um, you know, we'll have to see. I don't know that there's a whole lot of ice on the rivers. Uh, I haven't really tracked that that closely. But I think we're probably going to be all right with uh, – with with this year uh, at least set up so far yeah i know dave you wanted to do a hot minute on the the new flood outlook from the weather service yeah, and that seems we'll, like we'll, a good segue what are they we'll saying we'll do that real quick and uh yeah the the outlook right now is uh is just for a uh oh a little higher than a uh, little higher than average uh flood risk and that was uh based uh, in, uh, excuse me, uh, February 25th. And that's reflecting, again, more in the northeast Illinois, southern Wisconsin. You get further down toward the Kankakee and the Iroquois River, and we're actually looking at a below average uh, flood risk. So so I think nothing surprising uh, for what uh, what we've had. and again, I think it'll be interesting to see the next uh, the next update uh, comes on March 11th, and it'll be interesting to see how this warm spell goes and changes that a little bit. If it does, um, right now everything is in you know everything uh, all the river gauges are all fairly low. Um, yeah, we're we're quite a ways. Uh, I I don't have any of the historic information. You can certainly see that the melt. Uh, you know, looking at the Desplaines River, it's it's from uh, Monday. You know, this week from Monday evening to uh, just uh, this Saturday evening, it's it's come up about a foot. So I think that's not uh, terribly okay. surprising, but uh, you know we don't have all that. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of heavy precipitation in the southern part of the drainage, so it should keep moving through there. I think that's going to help us as well. So, yeah, you, you know, Dave, it's funny you mentioned uh, ice on the rivers and on the lakes. Uh, I keep track of the the amount of ice on the Great Lakes, and I think the most fascinating thing is on. 
I think it was the January the 26th, there was 2.4% ice cover on the Great Lakes. Eight days later, it was 37.5. And now it's down to 17.6. And Lake Michigan's 11, with most of that in Green Bay. And there's just a little hint of ice on the eastern shore of the lake. It was amazing to see you ice up against our shore during this outbreak stretching out six miles and it's all gone to the other side of the lake dissipated broke up and we're we're probably gonna this will have an effect on our spring unlike last year where the water stayed very cold for very long it may not be as uh, a bad a spring with lake breezes uh, as we had last year well, well, we'll have to see. We get an extended uh, bit of northeast winds like we always do. And while Rockford is sitting there about 74 degrees and we're sitting here and it's 48 and we'll met, we'll, we'll see if you still feel that way. Right. Well, but being our ice level, our ice uh, uh, amounts on the lake are, are very low for this yes. time of year. I think that's going to help the process. Weather nerd fight. Uh-huh. Weather nerd fight. <laughs> Greg, we want you to get in on this fight. Go for it. What you know, are, I just noticed mm. you don't say anything. You're you're staying out of this. I don't know why this. I is. I am. You're you're covering stuff that I haven't looked at in months. I'm I've been too busy learning ventilator settings and stuff like that. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know which is worse. <laughs> I it's stick to weather. Medicine's complicated. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> But, Holy uh, hell! But yeah, covered, no, we've covered a lot I, of ground. I, we have, you know. I I will have more to say, you know, in a few months' time once I've I'm done with school. So, what is that supposed um, to occur? June. Yeah, I'll graduate in May. Oh, and then then I'll take the the national license exam in June, I think. Oh, you're, but, you're, you're um, coming to a close here. It's finally almost over, so I will I will have more time for to be a weather geek again then. But what else? I feel like there was at least one other thing we wanted yeah, to talk about. Yeah, there's something missing. Uh, and I, well, I I'll, I'll do a shameless was, plug here for the National Weather Service. Uh, Storm Spider training uh, is ongoing virtually again this That's year. That's what it was. And the next uh, two dates from the Chicago office are uh, Monday, March 1st. And Wednesday, March 10th, there at 6.30 p.m., uh, if you go to weather.gov slash Chicago and you'll see the uh, you'll see the link at the top under news headlines where you can go ahead to sign up for either one or both if you really uh, if you're really into that or if you want to review it, view it after the first time. So uh, highly recommended, even if you're not an official storm spotter, quote unquote, uh, you know, if you do anything outdoors during the season, this is a good course to know, understand uh, not only the terminology, the watch warning uh, system, but uh, to be able to look at the sky and say, well, you know, this is time for me to start making my action plan. So those two events are coming up. Are they um, are they capped on admission again this year, or are they just going to do a, a general uh, stream? They may be capped, but if they are, I haven't heard that they've been uh, reached in uh, the last two events. So, uh, so that that is the good thing. And if 
Cool. Sounds you know, good. If you don't, if you can't make Chicago's, if you look at any of the other National Weather Service offices around the area, you've got Lincoln, you've got Milwaukee, Northwebster, Indiana. You don't have to just take the Chicago course, even though it is kind of geared to uh, Northeast Illinois. Uh, you can find a course on another office, and uh, you can do that as well. And take it there. I guess this is one of the few advantages of, of the plague era. It's, you know, everything's virtual. It doesn't matter where you are. <laughs> right. And no flu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's that too. By yeah. the way, uh, Greg, I just want to mention, uh, I have to say, we've had our Lake County Skyward Facebook page. I think we're coming up on 10 years now. Um, mm, let me take I a know, look. I know that we uh, we're always have sort of busy action with it uh as you know at our eoc in the spring and summer with severe weather and then when we des- designed our uh, winter hazard plan about seven years ago that became the busiest time of year but i'll tell you right now the three weeks that we just had that is that's like three combined years of busyness on that facebook page yeah, it's it was insanity. It was it was nonstop. I'd get up early in the morning. I'd do the thing. I'd come home and I have to do everything over again because it's all changed and it's every single day for three weeks. It was. I just wanted to go to sleep right now for a while. Yeah, <laughs> but I. But just when you want that, guess what? I know, and it looks. I've I've got a date on the bottom of our webpage. Uh, we started all this in two thousand six. Our Facebook page. I think the Facebook the Facebook page was the same oh, year as, as the here website. May two, two thousand twelve. Oh, okay. Here it is. Uh, yeah, I think our uh, I know our hazards began in nine, March of yeah. nine. Yeah, the website itself has been up since two thousand six. That's six, as a, yeah. As a separate website, yeah. Yep. Crazy. So yeah, I would say I would say that the workload was up five hundred percent. But that's oh, what God, you get yes. for having having a winter, you know, Skyward program. It's busy. Yeah, and I'll I'll be able to lend a hand next winter. Which one? Uh, whichever one isn't <laughs> right, on, Dave? on a, on a mm-hmm. patient. Like I don't know. Yeah, well, like I said, just keep me out. Of, just keep me out of your hospital and your ICU for the next few days with your sleep habit here. <laughs> I'll I'll get you a schedule. Just you know, don't. I would plug tomorrow's radio show, but by the time anybody hears this, it'll be over. So <laughs> Probably yep. so. Oh, hey, also one other thing. Uh, next week, March 1st to the 5th in Illinois is Severe Weather Preparedness yep. Week. So, uh, oh, they're doing it right off getting the bat. They're getting a good start at it. So uh, check out our uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter feeds, and you'll be getting uh, lots of useful information and uh and help you be better prepared. Yes, it's not Cliff Clavin stuff either. For those who know who Cliff Clavin is. <laughs> That's like nobody. Yeah, probably not anymore. You know, I remember I remember it wasn't too long ago I said, Well, you know, it's only hundred and twenty five days to meteorological spring. Well, guess what? It's only two days away. I yeah. yeah. What we've learned in the past year is that time has no meaning. Time is a flat circle. Nothing matters hey, anymore. Yes. Pitchers and catchers like a, reported like to Arizona. Too. We can't be too far off. Yes. And NASCAR is Gotta racing. Too far uh, yeah. off. Yep. NASCAR's going. Golf is going. Uh, the, uh, high school football is preparing. Yeah, that'll really yeah, mess up. It's, uh, it's all happening. Yeah, I think yeah. things are things are improving now. We're up to almost 70 million uh, vaccines now. Well, yeah, ro- we're not. We're along. not. 
we're not I mean, that, to 70 that, million. Not two shots, one shot. I think they said 68 million this morning have at least one shot. Yeah, I mean, all I have to say is when you get your chance to get the vaccine, get it. Keep wearing your masks. Yep. Well, I'm on the list, so it's been four weeks. I've got nothing, so I'm going to get on another list. I, uh, you know, I it, the the demand versus supply right now is so right. different that it doesn't really matter how many lists you're on. And they told on. us that in December, you're not, not going to get it much faster. Yeah, you, you know, nobody. Was, this is this is we all knew this was how it going to work. There's yeah, no my mom finally got hers. Yeah, her first shot. Yeah. She got it last week. Yep. There's no need to panic. Everyone will get one. It's just not going to happen by next week. Yep, that's coming. Things, uh, by the time we get to July, we're going to be a lot happier than we are, have been in a long time. Yep. Yep. All right. All right. We got any, we got any other weather shit to talk about? Ah, the second one. That's Another the fourth one already. I was going to say that's that's been that's more than one. Yeah, is it really four? Oh, boy, ch- yeah. ch- check your oh, toes. Shit. Check your toes. <laughs> there you that's go. at there least you go. four. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm-hmm. what you, I, no, what's five now? Because I said one just because I wanted to. Dave, well, come on, fire, fire, us. fire come it on. off. Oh, now he's got to. Uh, here's editing now. So you just ruined everything. You could take the shit off of it, but now you did that. Damn we it. don't. This is a private podcast. We don't have to follow FCC rules. Forget that. No, that's right. That's that's true. I can't think of anything else we need to cover. No, nope, I think I, I, I'm I, brain dead. I, yep. So we're gonna we're we're gonna have more weather, whether we like it or not. Ay 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 ay. Or as what does Joe Bastardi say? It's the only weather <sighs> you've got. Yeah. Okay, I I think the awful puns just killed it. Yeah, I don't know. Let's, uh, Which was what we were probably trying to do. And unless <laughs> you get a forecast for Mars, Bruce, I don't know. No, don't hit. Well, yeah, sixty-eight below zero. Does that sound good enough? Well, yeah, with a you know plus hundred degree Celsius swing during the day, it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. One percent atmosphere. You can bounce around on the planet if you'd like to. And uh, I think, uh, well, that's for we should have a space podcast someday. No, I've I've got the best forecast. Dusty, it's going to be dusty. Yes, at least once a year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. I think we've completely run it off the rails now. So I think we'll you're right. Yep. I guess our 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 perseverance is kind of blown out the window now. Yeah, basically. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, All right, get off my microphone. Yeah, get off the microphones. Uh, Keep wearing your mask. Be kind to each other. And we'll be back with another episode at some point in the future. Right during finals week. Right, Greg? All right. That's exactly right. It'll be the night night before my first final. We'll text them and go, hey, how about a podcast? We're going to have to bleep and edit the entire thing because I will be out of my mind. We'll just say it's Morse code. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's it. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hot Air Weather Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Hot Air Weather or Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hot Air Weather. (laughs) 